right into the word of the Lord. I'm reading from Matthew the 18th chapter, an account that Matthew wrote, and then I'm going on over in the New Testament to the book of Luke. Matthew chapter 18, and let me read verse 12, 13, and verse number 14. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and go into the mountains, and seek that which is gone astray? And if so be, that when he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep, than of the ninety and nine, which went not astray. Even so is it not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Go with me to the book of Luke, if you will, and let me read Luke's account of this parable that Jesus spake. Luke chapter number 15, reading at verse number 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until what? Until he what? Find it. And when he hath found it, he does what? He layeth it on his shoulders, how? Rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors and said unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was what? Lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Going again in the Word of God to the book of Jude. Let me read to you from the book of Jude. Amen. Verse number six. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation. He hath reserved into everlasting chains under darkness unto judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving likewise over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth for what? An example. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignitaries. Verse 21, keep yourselves what? In the love of God. Everybody say that. Keep yourself in the love of God. Would you say it again? Keep yourself in the love of God. Looking for what? The mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And some have compassion making a difference, and others say with what? Fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Go with me, if you would. I want to read from the book of Amos, a verse of Scripture tonight, and I hope I can bring my thought to bear. Amen. Amos, I want to read from chapter number 3, reading at verse number 12. Thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion. Everybody say, two legs. Say it again, two legs. Or a piece of an ear. Everybody say, a piece of an ear. 
so shall the children of Israel be taken that dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed and in Damascus in a couch. Would you right now worship the Lord and say, God, bless this message tonight. In the name of Jesus, I want you to help me tonight. God, preach the thought I feel that you've laid on my heart. In the precious name of God Almighty, I want you to move and I want you to bless and I want you to stir in the name of God. In the name of God. Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated. There's no more precious story and no more touching story than the man who had a hundred sheep. It's amazing how that God blesses men with jobs to do. And I want to preach a little bit tonight about the ministry if I can. Because I feel like the ministry is well worthy of the calling and advocation that God has put upon it. We find here in the Word of God that God Himself is telling a story. And He tells about a man which had a hundred sheep, which was his own little flock that God had entrusted him with. God had given him the responsibility to watch the flock and make sure that flock had everything it needed. I was reading the other day when a sheep is healthy and a sheep is doing very well that it will follow nobody but its master. When the master calls, that sheep knows its shepherd and that sheep will literally follow after that master. You can stand beside the shepherd and call all day long, friend, but you will never be able to attract the attention of those sheep. They might lift their head and look your way, but pretty soon they would turn around and go the other direction. For when the shepherd calls, they know the call of their shepherd. But this man in his writing, he said that once a sheep becomes sick and once a sheep becomes ill in health, that a, that sick sheep will follow anybody. That it does not matter if it's a shepherd or not. That shepherd loses the power over that sheep and loses the ability to lead and guide and direct that sheep in the path that it should go. Sheep are probably some of the dumbest animals. And I'm not throwing a reflection tonight on you because I'm a sheep. I have a pastor. But sheep got to have a shepherd. Sheep really have no horns that basically they can protect themselves they really can't fight like an old goat. They can't protect themselves like a big wiry bull. They've got to have somebody to watch over them and somebody to bring them the pastor, somebody to direct the way that they're going. So here we find in the Word of God that the Bible declares that a man had been given 99 sheep, or rather 100 sheep, and his job was to watch over those sheep. He was to protect them from the lion and protect them from the bear. He was to protect them from the beast of the wild, irregardless of whatever it might be. During the day, he was to check their wool. He was to make sure if he saw one hobbling that he would check its little hoof and see what might have been wrong. He was to take care when they threw their lambs. His job was to make sure that they were healthy. When a sheep was born, a man and that little thing come forth, 
if its mother passed away in birthing, then what they would do, they would take the wool off of another sheep, maybe that died. Maybe it was its sister or its twin. And they would skin that little sheep out. And they would put the wool of that sheep over the one that was living. And they would give it to another mother to raise. She would recognize the smell. Possibly it was her dead ewe that passed away. Her dead lamb. And so she would adopt that little sheep. And the shepherd had his job cut out for him. But according to the word of God, he was so constructive in his business. And he was so concerned in his work that he would count them literally every day. May I say tonight, don't feel like that the preacher does not care. And don't think the preacher will never miss you if you don't show up at church. I'm telling you, he's watching over his flock. And he's counting those friend every night. If Sister Mary doesn't show up, he might not register on him right then. But when he gets back home and sits around and starts thinking about the flock, he's going to say where in the world was Sister Mary? Because his responsibility is a responsibility of taking care of the sheep. We find in the word of God here that this man counted his sheep. I don't care how large your congregation gets and it does not matter how big your church might grow. God has put something in bed within that shepherd. That friend, he knows those sheep. He knows when somebody's sick and he knows when somebody's down and out. Let me instill in this congregation tonight a respect for the ministry Possibly that you never had. The ministry is called of God. And it's anointed of God. And it's ordained of God. It was never intended to be people run. But it was intended to be God oriented. It was intended for God to direct that ministry. I say what we need to do today. Is back up and say alright shepherd do your job. Alright shepherd take care of your sheep. Come on shepherd if you see somebody going astray. And you see somebody down and out why don't you put your hand in there and grab a hold of that sheep this man took care of his flock he watched them day by day he counted every one of them he knew he had a hundred he knew that's what God had given him he knew God had given him that amount but all of a sudden when he took a head count he found out that one of them was missing he was thrilled about having the night and night amen but friend he knew they were still in the pen. He knew they were still in a place of safety. He became concerned suddenly that one of those sheep had gone astray. Hear me tonight, church. We are standing in a time that we're finding out every day that the devil is feeding in on the flock and the devil's trying to destroy God's church. But thanks be to God tonight for the shepherd who is concerned about the flock to the place that he says, devil, I want to tell you one thing right now. You can swing your lariat if you want to. You can attack my flock if you want to. But I'm not going to stand back and let you do it. I'm coming after that nine and nine. Amen. And I'm going to get that one. I'm going to hold on to my church. God bless you tonight. If you have a call of God on your life. And God's called you to pastor. Preacher, let me tell you something. Get you somewhere and stay. Pastor a church. Hallelujah. When the good times come, that's great. But God needs some men that'll stick there through the bad. God needs some men that's got some guts. God needs some men that'll stand up. Why? Because God has given us a charge. He did not give us a cushy living, but he gave us a calling from God. And I'm anointed.
we can live like God wants us to live. Praise God. And this man understanding that he had 99 and one was missing that made a 100, he immediately thrilled about his 99. But he had to find that one. Hey Amen. He had to look for that one. God help us today. We cannot afford to you lose one young person. We can't afford tonight to lose one teenager. We can't afford tonight to lose one grandmother. God bless all of you grandmothers and grandfathers in this place tonight. I want to tell you something as you was in my church. I couldn't afford to lose you because God has bought you with the same blood that he bought me with. He redeemed you with the same power he redeemed me with. And I've got to let the devil know that any time he attacks the church, he's attacking something that the shepherd loves. And I've got to stand up for the sheep. Regardless of what I've got in my hand, I've got to ward off the devil. And I've got to say to him, devil, I cannot let you have one. He said, but preacher, you won't miss him. Oh, yes, I will. Oh, yes, I will. I want to say tonight, friend, that we're in the church. It's a big church, all right. But every one of you makes up this body. We can't afford to lose anybody. We've got to hold on to Jesus Christ. We cannot let one drown. We cannot let one be eaten by a lion. We cannot let one be overtaken by the quicksand of modernism. We have got to take a head count every day. We've got to do our best to keep the flock alive. According to the word of God, the man left the 99 and he went searching the hills and the valleys looking for that one that had gone astray. The burden of the shepherd is so heavy sometimes that friend, he don't know which way to go. He'll cry a while. He'll moan a while. He'll weep a while. You say, but preacher, they're not concerned. May I say I have never in my life seen the ministry as concerned as they are right now. They're concerned about the trend of worldliness. They're concerned about the trend of modernism. They're concerned about this ecumenical movement which is moving through the churches of our land. They're concerned about the fall of the old passion power. They want somebody to shout. They want somebody to glorify God because every time somebody shout God's throwing a little hay for his sheep he's letting them feed upon something that'll give them strength you take the shout out of the church you take the power out of the church and the sheep's gonna scatter but you keep the power in there you keep the anointing in there you keep the glory in there and we're gonna stay in the pen where God put us glory be to God we've got to hold on to the sheep we cannot let the sheep get out from under our hands. Many of you have experienced in this congregation tonight a decrease in your congregation. Many of you have increased, no doubt, but there have been several that have experienced a decrease in the town which I pastor in. In the last couple of years, we have lost 60 people thereabout out of our congregation because of the economy. And oh, God, it rips your heart out when you see little children come to school and pick up their school books with tears running down their face. And I say, where are you going? Brother Willis, we're moving. We can't make it here. Dad's got to have some work. I'm telling you, the shepherd's heart rims right there because you know that when you found some of those people, they were in sin so deep and they were in sin so worrisome that it took the power of God to bring them 
mouth and you preached until you felt like your intros was going to tear and you sung until you felt like your vocal cords was gone and you prayed with them until you felt like you couldn't pray anymore and some of them you literally pulled from the fire some of them you drug out of the gutters of hell some of them you pulled out my friend when nobody else could help them it took the power of God to help them and to hear them say we got to leave we literally tear your soul apart hallelujah 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 the men of God have the greatest responsibility of our time you men that are running for political office God bless you but I would not lower myself to leave the ministry to become one of you in your political standing because the ministry is the highest calling a man can have. I say that with all admonition tonight. The ministry is the highest calling. You say, preacher, wouldn't you like to be senator? I'd rather be the child of God that I am right now and hold on to the promise of God than to have to place the face the political adversaries of our time. I feel like that God has called us to do a work like we have never done in all of our life. It's about time we get up and shake ourselves not just by our own power but by the power of the Holy Ghost and realize that God's put a job on our back there have been men that have suffered and there have been men that have died what was they doing preacher they was gathering sheep I said they was gathering sheep they was fighting off the bear they were fighting off the lion they were destroying the adversary because the shepherd must keep the sheep Preachers, I'm helping you tonight. I want you to hang on here. I'm telling you, we have so much church hopping nowadays, so much church changing. People don't backslide. They change churches. If they don't like it here, they go there. What you need to do is find you a flock and get it and stay in it. I said, find you a flock and get it and stay in it. Find you a shepherd and honor that shepherd. Get in a church and love that church. And if you'll do that, I promise you that when the lion comes or the bear comes, that that preacher's going to get out his sling and he's going to get out his staff. You can call him in the middle of the night and he'll be there. You can call him in the middle of the day and he'll be there. His wife and him might not have any time together for weeks, but you call him. He'll leave that little daughter at home and he'll come to your rescue. The preacher's the best friend that you ever had outside of Jesus Christ. He is your shepherd. Good God Almighty. Being a shepherd is not without hazards. I say that tonight. For we are fighting a warfare like we have never fought before. We are waging a war against the gates of hell. Knowing that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. But it did not say they would not war against the church. They are fighting us in every possible way they can. The devil is out to destroy. He tried in the very beginning of time to destroy the church. He wanted to destroy everything that it stood for. If he could kill the shepherd, then he could scatter the sheep. But praise be to God tonight for strong shepherds who keep their arsenal of prayer well equipped and who keep their weapons sharp. They 
realize that iron sharpeneth iron. And they'll get down on their knees and talk to God. And say, oh, God, don't let those sheep stray. If I have to, I'll leave the 99. But I've got to get that one back. If you're a backslider in this building tonight, friend, and there's a shepherd in here that has shed tears over your soul, somebody in here tonight wants to see you filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody in here tonight wants to see you say, Glory be to God. The early men who started this work after Jesus Christ brought it into existence suffered agonies from being shepherds. Yes, they did. It's a terrible thing to realize that God has worked with people for years and years and years through his ministry. Men have preached the gospel of Christ. Men have left jobs that they could be rich men today to take a meager little income so they could win somebody to Jesus Christ for they were concerned about the sheep. You say, but preacher, these preachers have got it made. These preachers have it made. If you knew the struggle of the shepherd, my friend of night, you would never say that. You'd spend some time of your prayer time saying, oh God, pour it on the preacher, Lord. Give him some strength when he needs it. I realized that when God looked at me and when the preacher preached to me, the lion had me in his mouth and the bear had me in his clutches and it took the preaching of God's word to pull me out of the mouth of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. If it hadn't have been for the preacher, you say, are you giving man glory? I'm giving men glory tonight who have given their hearts to Jesus Christ, who have made their mind up, but they're not going to back up from the devil. They are front runners in this war. They are fighting against sin, and they're not going to give up. Hallelujah. I don't care if the whole world goes charismatic. I'm fighting for the sheep. I said I'm fighting for the sheep. I don't care if the whole world goes modernistic. A real shepherd's going to fight for the sheep. Give us the move of the Spirit of God. Work within our congregation the gifts of the Spirit. Put healing in our wings. Hallelujah. Put glory in the souls of the saints of God. Slay these children under the power of the Holy Ghost that we saw around this place last night. Who done that? If it hadn't have been for the man watching the sheep, Brother Drew, how many years has your daddy labored? And he's fought the powers of hell. At midnight, he's had to go. In the morning, he's had to go. Night on night without sleep. I went to the hospital and sat for days wondering what in the world are they going to do? If God heals them, will they live for God? But I can't think about that because I'm a shepherd. I've got to realize whatever it takes to get that soul out of the mouth of the lion or out of the paw of the bear, I've got to do it. I've got a responsibility. Hallelujah. Amen. But many of us, when God found us and the preacher preached to us, we were like the proverbial man. Amen. In the book of Amos chapter 3, when the shepherd came and got a hold of us, he took out of the lion's mouth two legs and a piece of an ear. That's about all there was to us. I was on a downward road for hell, but Jesus Christ sent a man by to preach to me the word of God. 
the black folks say this they said if the white folks would get the respect for the ministry that us black folks have and if the black folks my friend could get the standard of holiness that the white folks had we'd have a church may I say friend we need to understand tonight the ministry is the highest position ever given to man here on this earth we better pray for them we better lift them up in Jesus name we better not push them down but we better say preacher pull us out of the mouth of a liar glory be to God Matthew the great apostle of God you say oh he was a fantastic man but for all of his sacrifice for humanity and all of his love for people like you and I who wrote and pin words for us today. What did he receive in this life? The very people that he pinned the word of God for slew him by a sword in the, de- in the, in the distant city of Ethiopia. Mark was expired in Alexandria after being cruelly dragged through the streets of that city. You say, preacher, it's a great life being a preacher. Luke was hanged upon an olive tree in the classic land of Greece. John was put in a cauldron of boiling oil and escaped death in a miraculous manner. And afterwards was branded at Patmos. Peter was crucified with his head downward at Rome according to history. John the Greater was beheaded at Jerusalem. James the Less was thrown from the lofty pinnacle of the temple and then beaten to death with a fullest club. All preachers, you got it made. Bartholomew was flayed alive. Andrew was bound to a cross when he preached. Amen to his persecutors until he died. Thomas was run through the party with a lance. Amen in the East Indies. John was shot to death with arrows. Matthias was first stoned and then beheaded. Barnabas was of the Gentiles stoned to death in Salonica. Paul, after various tortures of persecutions, at length was beheaded at Rome by the Emperor Nero. You say you preachers have got it made. No, sir. I'm saying, friend, it's a dangerous job fighting off the enemy today. We want to see the church saved. We want to see the church perfected. We want to see the church go on. We want to see the church make it. Irregardless of what you think, the ministry is the conscience of the people today. The ministry is the crying voice that says, come on church, get holy. It's the crying voice that says, come on church, live for God. It's the crying voice that says, come on church, why don't you dedicate your heart to God? You say, but preacher, we don't need a preacher. I say tonight, you cannot be saved one thumb's breath away from a preacher. You've got to have a preacher to be saved. I believe you've got to have a home church to make it. I believe you've got to be dedicated to God to be saved. Hallelujah. You say, oh, this ain't camp meeting preaching. Oh, yes it is. Oh, yes it is. We're pulling them from the fire. Some you can save by fear. Yes, you can. Some you can persuade to live for God. But others you have got to snatch from the very jaws of hell. Did you hear me tonight? You have got to snatch from the very jaws of hell. I can do without my preacher. I don't need a pastor. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. A preacher was called to a hospital to pray for a young boy that was dying. His mother was a Sunday school teacher, if you please. She taught in that church. Yes, she did. And friend, when the preacher went to pray for this boy, he was in a very severe accident. 
and the preacher walked in to lay hands on the boy. The boy's eyes snapped open and he began to scream, get away from me. Get away from me, you money money crapper. Get away from me, you woman chaser. And the preacher was just stymied. And then the boy said, my mama told me all about you. She told me about your lies, your teaching in Bible study. What's the matter, friend? I'm telling you, the preacher's got a job. We got to fight back biting people. We got to fight long tongue people. We got to fight people who don't want to have any jurisdiction. People who don't want to pay their tithes. Who don't want to live right. But I say God's still got a ministry. God's still got a church. God's still got somebody that's going to stand in this day and hour. And it's not going to give up. But we're going to hold up the bloodstained battle of Jesus Christ. You fool with God. And all they're going to find of you is two legs and a piece of an ear. That's all that's going to be left. Friend, I feel like in this day and time, if there ever was a time we need to attach ourselves to the church and become involved in the church. Some of you preachers want to be preachers. Your hands got to learn to fit a lawnmower before you'll ever hold a Bible. You've got to learn how to do the common things, my friend. Before you can ever preach, you've got to learn to be a worker. God don't save lazy people just preaching his ministry. Good God Almighty. I didn't know I was going to preach like this. Somebody say hallelujah. Glory. But you've got to leave the 99. You've got to be willing to go get that one. Some of you are looking for cushy churches that the ties are good. That some old saint of God has labored his life away to build. Some preacher has dedicated his soul. Had evangelist tell me one time, said, Brother Willis, I don't want to start a church. I want to pastor one that's already established. I don't want to build a building. I want to go to where there's already a building and where there's a parsonage. Amen. And where the ties are doing good and where everything's going to be fine. Hey, that's not the kind of church God wants you to have. He wants some shepherds that'll get out there where the bears are. He wants some shepherds that'll get out there where the lion is. What are you looking for? We're looking everywhere we can to find somebody that needs Jesus Christ. Hey, listen to me, folks. Some of our counties have been over-evangelized. We need some preachers that'll get a burden to go somewhere where there is no church instead of building right on top of somebody. We need some preachers that'll get a burden to win somebody that's never heard the gospel. Good God Almighty. Can I go on? I want to go on. Hallelujah. I told God, God, if I ever pastor, if I ever pastor, if you ever deal with me to pastor, put me somewhere where nobody's at. Put me somewhere, and he did. So help me, he did. When we settled down, Sister Willis and I moved out in the country, 10 miles from the nearest town, the population 1,800. Hey, man, the town we lived in, population 68. Sister Willis said, what in the name of God? Are you ashamed of me that you moved me this far away from civilization? I said, honey, no. Hey, man, I want to do something for God. I drove into that little town. I'd never been there in my life. I never even knew there was such a town as the town that I'm in. But when I drove into that town, tears started running down my face. And my soul began to tremble. I just bought me a brand new travel trailer. I had it all fixed up like I wanted it. I 
insulated it for the north. I air conditioned it for the south. I got everything I needed on that thing. I was fixed up. My bookings was booked for another year solid. I didn't have to worry. Twelve months, one week, right after the other. I had everything I needed. And God said, settle down right here. I sit there in the back seat of that preacher's car. And I begin to weep. And Sister Willis looked over at me and said, what's the matter with you? I said, I don't know. But something's moving inside of me. I begin to cry more. I looked up there and told that fellow. I said, hey, look around this place a little bit. We looked around and found an old building that it hadn't been uninhabited in nine years. Nobody had even used it. Holes so big you could see through the side of it. There was no heat. The electrical was two-strand wire. And when we plugged the electric in, it caught on fire. There was nothing there but the call of God. There was some sheep there that was in the mouth of a pear and in the mouth of a lion. And the devil was trying to destroy him. And the devil wanted to kill him. But thanks be to God tonight that we've been able to pull some out even though there was only a couple of legs and a piece of an ear. Three days later I bought the building canceled all my revivals sold my trailer and did nothing but for six months except work on that building day and night. That's all I did. How did you live? I don't know how I lived. I don't know. I don't know where the money come from. I don't know. I took Brother Carol Magruder down there. I said, Brother Magruder, come on, let's go. Come on, let me show you my church. I drove up in front of that old dilapidated building. There wasn't a sidewalk one. The grass was unkept. The place had windows busted out. And I was so excited and I looked over at him and so help me, you'd think that he'd saw the most horrible thing in the world. He looked at me and went, I said, don't you love it? Isn't that great? I took him inside. We stepped over the plaster that had fallen off the wall, fallen off the walls. We walked in. The door hung sideways. The ceiling was falling in. There was nothing, I mean nothing, but an old dingy hall. And I said, oh, in this grand, in this grand, only a preacher can feel that. I said, only a preacher can feel that. You say, saint of God, you've got just as much burden for your church. No, you don't. No, you don't. Nobody can feel what the shepherd feels. Nobody can feel the agony when he goes to lift an offering and there's only $3 there and he's got a $75 church bill to pay. Nobody can feel that but the preacher. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. Nobody can feel it but the preacher. I got in there and started ripping and tearing. I have never built nothing any greater than a scooter with on out of roller skates when I was a kid. Hey Amen. We got in there and started ripping and tearing. I started hauling out dump truck load and dump truck load. There was a Chevrolet that kept driving by. About every day this old Chevrolet would come by and around the corner. There was a lady in it. She would drive around that corner. And I just kept on working. Hey man, just kept on working. Finally one day she stopped and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm building a church here. I went to the banker and told the banker, I said, banker, I want to borrow $2,000. He said, what for? I said, I want to start a church. He stood up and said, we don't need no more churches in this town. I got news for him. He didn't have any. Hallelujah. He had a lot of meeting houses, but he didn't have a church. I said, 
houses, but he didn't have a church. And I said, buddy, I'll tell you what right now. Would you please lend me $2,000? He stood up and said, you get out of here and don't you ever come back. But then he made his mistake. He pointed at me right in the face, leaned over that desk of his, and said, who sent you to be there? That give me an opportunity. I felt like shouting. I said, God sent me here. Oh, hallelujah. God sent me here. My God. And I said, fella, we'll build a church with you or we'll build it without you. We're going to have a church in this city. My God, my God. You don't oppose the church. Let me warn you right now, don't never come against the church. Tragic to say, but that man not too long after that passed away with a very serious heart attack. We don't oppose the church. My God, my God. We don't need a church. I ain't ever seen a town that didn't need a church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some got five or six. All others have none. Something's wrong. I said something's wrong. Hallelujah. You, you let me preach like I want to, would you tonight? Preacher, where are you going? In the middle of the night, what are you doing? Sister Willis and I took our accordion and our guitar. I went to the sheriff's office and there's a little old gazebo there in the courthouse yard. And I said, Mr. Sheriff, can I use the gazebo in the courthouse yard? He said, what for? I said, I want to I wanna have a little street meeting there if you let me, sir. He said, well, there ain't no law against it. That's all I needed. I got my old PA set. Sister Willis got that old squeaky accordion. Amen. We've got sophisticated now, but she took that old squeaky accordion. I grabbed that old dove guitar. We got down there on that old square and got in that little old gazebo, and you'd think there was a million people there. I cranked that PA set as high as it would go without sounding bad. I cranked it until, friend, the windows rattled in the bank. And I cranked it and I'd get out there and we would sing, Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. <laughs> Amen. That's the truth. Reach out, reach out and touch the hand of the Lord. We had people that pulled up in their cars and would sit there, stand on the corners. What was God doing? God was saying the preachers trying to grab somebody out of the mouth of the lion and out of the bear. Young men, let me tell you something. The charge to Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Don't look for a cushy church, but preach the word. Don't look for an easy life, but preach the word. Stand upon the will of God. Give us some men that'll preach it like it is. If I can buy me a heart shafter and mark suit, yes, sir, and get me a good pair of foursome shoes, and get me a Cadillac Eldorado, and get me a nice electric guitar, and a band to travel with me, and get all the conveniences, then I can charge for revival. My God, what's this world coming to? What's it coming to? I'm saying, folks, that the lion has them in his mouth. All there's left of a lot of folks is a couple of legs and a piece of an ear. That's all that's left. It's all 
your pastor and you need to pray God anoint him God set him on fire God poured out on him don't let him lay down at night God until he's heard from heaven don't let him preach under the anointing of Jesus Christ if you've got dead services you can do something about it glory I said glory hallelujah the world is filled full of men who are destined for a devil's hell the world is filled full of men whose ambitions in life is only to get ahead naturally but unless we point them to Calvary we as the ministry are not doing our job Friend, if you're in this building tonight, and I'm sure the ministry that's here will back me up, all the giving you can get will not do you any good until you get a good old-fashioned dose of the Holy Ghost, until you get baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the power of God and let God turn your life around and let God change you and make a difference in it. We had a wine festival in our city. Our small town is 1,800 population. They had a wine festival. They called it the Switzerland County Wine Festival. In three days, 88,000 people come through our small town. 88,000 drunken people. They would sell booze on the streets. They would just live like dogs. It didn't matter to them if they had to use the restroom in public. They would do it. There was no sense of morality whatsoever. So I told Sister Willis, we're going to do something about this thing. So we built us a great big old float and we made a great big old light bulb out of chicken wire and stuffed it with pumps that you make a float out of. And we put on there Jesus' light. When it came time for the parade, we put some apostolic girls with long hair and godly dresses on that thing. We stuck out like a pilgrim on Broadway. But when we came down the streets of that city, men stepped out in the street and clapped their hands and they stopped me right in the middle of the parade and they brought me a reward they said preacher thank you I set a tent up down on the bottom the hell's angels tied up on one side the iron horseman gang tied up on the other side the devil's disciples tied up on the other I had a 60 by 80 tent a brand speck of new hey man and we preached revival in that tent where young couples were laying all around in blankets it was ungodliness everywhere I preached friend with my guts I mean I preached it. Why? Because they were going to hell. They needed a preacher. How can they hear without a preacher? How can he preach except he be sent? My God, this world's got to have a preacher. It's got to have a preacher. It's got to have a preacher. Truly scared to death. You have never seen it. They had helmets on with, with horns sticking out of them. When I started preaching, they stripped their clothes off and climbed on their motorcycles. And they rode down beside of my tent without a stitch on. Yes, they did. While I was preaching, six or seven of them undressed right behind the platform in view of the entire congregation. We had a packed tent. They stripped their clothes off and stood there naked. One boy ran right across beside 
like me ran right down through the tent not a stitch on I said if ever who does that again I said if somebody else is thinking about it God will strike you dead before your foot ever hits this platform you never seen six hippies put their clothes on so fast in all of your life I'm telling you what I'm telling you what I'm telling you what we've got to have a church we've got to have a ministry we've got to have somebody to stand we've got to stand for Jesus Christ good God I, I got so tickled it came a big rain one night sister Willis cried every night she kept saying honey you're going to get killed you're going to get killed they're going to cut your throat I took a sleeping bag and laid it right on the platform and I slept there every night of that festival they laid all around my tent hundreds of them I'm not talking about a little crowd I'm talking about all night long they drank and done drugs illicit sex you, you could see it wide open everywhere one night it rained I was there by myself I wouldn't let nobody stay with me because I was afraid some hothead wouldn't feel the burden that I feel. I was afraid he'd want to slug somebody. I didn't want to slug him. I wanted to get him saved. Amen. So I lay in there one night and it came a big rain. Man, here they come. I heard chairs flying. I woke up. My tent was a flapping. And here come about a hundred of them dudes. I mean, the motliest looking crew you ever seen. They staggered in there, tripped over chairs. They come in there, you never seen the like in your life. And finally, I laid there and propped my head up on my elbow, laying there on that platform. They was cussing and carrying on. Finally, I got up and stood behind the pulpit. And I just stood there and looked out across that motley crew. And finally, I took all I could take. And I said, hey! Nobody said anything. They just kept a cussing. I said, hey! Nobody. They just, and all of a sudden, I said, hey! Somebody said, who's that? Somebody said, that's the Rev, man. The Rev's here. They said, be quiet and listen to the Rev. So I said, all right, let me tell you something. I know it's raining out there. You can sleep in this tent. I want no pairing off. I want no drinking. I want no smoking. I want no cussing. And I don't want any, anything going on ungodly. You lay down and go to sleep. You lay down and go to sleep, and you can stay here tonight. Yeah, Rev. Thank you, Rev. Man, thank you, Rev. They'd never heard anybody that kind before. So I went back and laid down on that old platform. About five minutes, they thought I was asleep. And I heard some old drunk say, Anybody got anything to eat? And this old boy said, I got a hundred pound bag of Oreo cookies. Then somebody piped up and said, You can't eat cookies in the church. You get crumbs on the pews. <laughs> I laid there and like to have died. <laughs> My God, I've never seen anything like that in my life. The Cincinnati Enquirer paper wrote a little article about me. And they said that the preacher 
the Reverend John Willis tried to upgrade the wine festival. That's right. But that wasn't all he said. They said, and for the reverend's efforts, he received a streaker in return, and we pray that he'll persevere. Somebody said, you're fighting a losing battle. About one year later, we got a note. Brother Drew, there was a couple that came in that tent that night and found their way to an apostolic church and got baptized in Jesus' name and it got the Holy Ghost. And somebody said, Preacher, we was in a service and heard them stand and testify that they were at a, at a drunk party in a little town in southern Indiana and a preacher preached Jesus Christ to them irregardless of their sin and told them that God could forgive them. Oh my God! Hallelujah! I'm saying tonight we've got to pull them from the fire! We've got a job to do! I can't help it. If you'd have saw what I saw and you'd experience what I would experience. You ask somebody about it. Not one person who came would stay that night. Not one Christian who came wanted to spend the night. It was ungodly. Little boy come and got me one night shook me up said Rev come here we want to talk to you I went outside and they said Rev preaching's your bag isn't it I said yeah it is to try to get folks like you to come to God that's why I'm here he said but preacher drugs is our bag and we're satisfied with it the only reason you're satisfied with it is because you've not tried the Jesus that I'm preaching about tonight. Mm, my God. My God, my God, my God. Hallelujah. It takes the preacher. I'm for the ministry. You say, oh, because you're a preacher. Before I was ever a preacher, I was for the ministry. Hallelujah. I was willing to do anything the man of God told me from this blessed book. Amen. I wanted the Holy Ghost to control him when he preached, and then I wanted to do what the Holy Ghost told me to do. I wasn't concerned with nothing except I needed saved and whatever it took to get saved, and I knew that preacher was that link up between me and God. And I knew that if that preacher would preach the Word of God to me, what is he? The Bible said that he's the sower of the seed. Hear me tonight. He's the sower of the seed. He's the man that comes along with the hoe in his hand. And he chops out the thistles in the morning forest that would literally choke us to death. He's the man that cries for our life in front of the throne of God Almighty and says, God, would you give him one more chance? Give him another year. Give him another week and a month. It takes the preacher. 
I would never lower myself to take any position that would take me away from the ministry. Why, Brother Willis? Teenage suicide is a major cause of teenage death today. Oh, my God. 10,000 young people are killed in alcohol-related accidents every year. 10,000 young people are reported missing every year that many of them are never found and never heard from again. It ought to do something to you. There was a family moved in down from the house where I lived. But Alan's been there. Some of the other evangelists have been in my place. The old house where I used to live. And I saw them moving their furniture down the road. So I went down there and walked into the house. And I said, you folks knew? And they said, yes, we are. I said, let me invite you to the church. I'm Brother Willis. I pastor the Apostolic Church in Vivi. We go to church four times a week. I'll be glad to stop by here and pick you up, your children up. They have three girls and one boy. And the mother said, well, I told the girls, told the children, that they could try any church they wanted. I wanted them to try them all, and then the church they decide on, that's the church they can go to. Well, the ch kids went to the other churches. They came to visit us at Truth Apostolic Church, and the Spirit of God began to get a hold of them. They came and they wanted to be baptized. And I baptized the two youngest girls, which were teenagers, in the name of Jesus. When they got home, their mother and their oldest sister literally beat them. The sister would not have anything to do with the two girls, but the two girls made their mind up they wanted to live for God. I worked with that oldest girl every time I'd see her. I said, why don't you come to church? Sister Willis said, tell her, why don't you come to church? Finally, she came, and the very night she came, God got a hold of her. We baptized her, and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. From that night on, those kids lived in a literal hell. Their mother would rip their clothes off of their bodies. They would sit in their closet with the light on and read their Bible. One would stand at the door while the other two read the Bible and sang songs about Jesus to each other. Then one would come out of the closet and the other would stand watch and the other would go in the closet and they would pray. Their mother would come in, push one out of the way, open the closet door, grab the Bible, rip the pages out of it and literally kick the girls' heads against the wall. You say, preacher, what made them go on? It was the Holy Ghost. But they had a pastor and pastor's wife who loved them. And we kept saying, girls, you can do it. Girls, you can do it. You can make it. You can be saved. You say, preacher, was it worth the opposition? Was it worth the trouble? Was it worth the times almost getting your head beat in? 
I've been run out of their house. They've been going to kill me. They laid by the way. I've had men stand, sit in their cars, waiting for me to step out of the church door. They wanted to kill me. And it was only the hand of God that diverted them. Why is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Because men were trying to get them before the bear does. And we're trying to get them before the lion does. Hey, church, it's about time we stood to our feet and lifted our hands to God and say, oh, God, thank God for the ministry. Thank God for the church. Thank God you give me a preacher. Thank God you give me somebody that cares. I could have went to hell. But a preacher, preach the word of God to me. He did it. Would you stand with me tonight as Brother Drew comes? Hallelujah. Do we forget what we used to be? Do we forget where we came from? The preacher is not a mannequin to be maneuvered and manipulated by people. Was he the servant of God to be led by the Spirit of the Holy Ghost to bring those out of dark desperation? Takes the preacher. And of some compassion's enough to save them. Others you got to preach to them about hell. And fear will get a hold of their heart and then they'll move out for God. Some you have got to pull from the flames of hell. Preacher, don't ever forget your job. Saint of God never failed to pray for that preacher. Never failed to seek God for him. Never, never. Thus saith the Lord as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth and the lion two legs for a piece of the meat.